Welcome to the Mum Break Podcast, a place where you can feel normal, get helpful information, and laugh your ass off, hopefully without peeing your pants. I'm your host, Erica, and I have two kiddos. I am not a mom expert, but I do have a zillion hours of therapy under my belt and no filter. I'm on my own journey to find happiness, and I want to help you on the way to yours. So I am here today with Rachel Selman, a pelvic floor physiotherapist, and we are going to talk about all of the questions and concerns and jiggity details of what actually happens, why you should be going, and what's actually going on down there after you have kids or even before you have kids. So thank you, Rachel, for so graciously coming on and, you know, spending some of your day to talk to us about this such an important topic. Yeah, thank you for having me. Maybe before we jump in, you can just do a quick little introduction about yourself, who you are, what you do. Yeah. Um, So my name is Rachel Selman. I got my undergraduate degree actually in chemistry um, from Georgia Tech. And then I went on to get my doctorate in physical therapy uh, from Mercer University. And then I actually really didn't have a huge interest in women's health at the time. And I, in PT school, you really don't get any women's health information. You get like a, maybe a half a day lecture or something on public floor physical therapy. Um, (laughs) I know it's crazy. And so you get like a couple hours. And so I really didn't think I had much interest in it. And then I had a child. (laughs) And so very quickly learned um, how the bounce back thing, I think is just this huge myth and thing that really damages like postpartum. It damages, I think mom's mentality and I was super active before I gave birth. And so I like fell into this trap of I'm going to bounce back and all my patients and all the people that I worked with and everyone was like, Oh my gosh, you're going to bounce back. It's going to be no problem. And you're just gonna have this beautiful, strong pregnancy and labor is going to be a breeze. And then, you're, you know, in a couple of weeks, you're just gonna be back to normal. And so I totally, totally fell for that. Um, and when I realized obviously postpartum that that wasn't going to happen, uh, I, got really frustrated with myself. It's already a really hard time anyways. And then I got really frustrated with myself, wasn't able to move the way that I wanted to move. That was kind of my like outlet anyways. And so when I couldn't exercise, I think that took a um, toll on my mental health too. I got really lucky in that I have a really good friend who's a, a public floor PT. And so I reached out to her and I was like, hey, like this is what's going on. Like, is this normal? Is this normal? Like, what am I supposed to feel? And she was just an amazing resource to me. And so I was like, okay, I need to find someone in my area. She lived a decent ways away. So I was like, I'm going to find someone in my area who does this. Quickly realized there was like no one here who does. Uh, there's only one other public floor physical therapist here. And so I looked at, or I called and got their information and realized very quickly that she had a very long waiting list. Mm, like, yeah. Okay. Like I don't have that long. Like to I need wait. my vagina to be fixed now. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Like I just want to feel normal. Like everyone told me that I was going to. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go do it myself. I'm going to just figure it out. Cause I feel like as a physical therapist, we should know how to do this. And so I was like, I'll just go figure it out myself. And so that's what I did um, through the Herman and Wallace uh, Public Rehab Institute, who is fabulous for anyone looking to go more into this field. They were wonderful. Um, So I did my public floor training through them. And then I have my strength and conditioning certification as well. So I kind of combine all of that to help women, especially postpartum women, get back to exercise and get back to moving the way that they want to move. 
And I love that. It's not necessarily, I mean, there's so many horror stories about what happens with your pelvic floor in birth. And it may, it may be, depending on how you deliver as well, mm -hmm. everyone has such a unique experience, but it's not necessarily just about, you know, fixing these major issues. Like we mm -hmm. were just talking about how I was just at the gym trying to do jumping jacks and I had to yep. do modified jumping jacks because I kept peeing my, like not even peeing my pants, just dribbling. Mm -hmm. And I don't really yep. want to, I don't want to dribble. No, and you shouldn't. And it's not normal to. And I think that as moms too, we really normalized it. Yeah. And it's obviously when you're a mom, um, you just kind of tend to take care of everything else and you don't really take care of you because that's what you think your duty as a mom is. And um, moms sympathize with that on each other, which I think is fabulous to have that support. But in terms of like the leaking and stuff like that, I hear moms all the time and they're like, oh yeah, but your mom, like it just happens. Like it's, you yeah, know, it's no. the price we pay. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is not normal. It's never normal and it should never be your new normal. So the second you have those symptoms, like realizing you can do something about it is a game changer. I talk to most people and they're like, I didn't realize that there were options. So I never looked into it. I just kind of thought like, oh, I just am going to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> Well, it's crazy because you, you mean having only, um, like one pelvic floor PT in your area, it's, it just goes to show that, yeah, these problems are common, but they don't need to be normal. And right, exactly. the normalization of fixing the mom holistically, not just yes. mental health, not just breastfeeding, but like yeah. vaginas take their toll too. Oh yeah. And I think a lot of people don't understand like their muscles. There's 11 muscles down there. And so, um, yeah, crazy. Right. That's why I'm saying like a four hour lecture during PT school, like that just doesn't cover it. And it's not to blame PT school. Like I just, it's obviously a specialty kind of subset. So there does need to be additional education there. Um, but there's 11 muscles down there. Like that's a lot of muscle. And for some reason, any other muscle in the body, we, you know, anytime you injure it or anytime you have surgery, you get sent to physical therapy and for some reason with the pelvic floor, it's never even mentioned. Like it's just never yeah. brought up. Most people don't know we exist. When they find out we exist, they're like, no way in like, heck am I going to a pelvic floor physical therapist? Like that's a joke. They're going to make me lift weights with my vagina. Like that's not <laughs> it at all. Um, and so there's 11 muscles down there and they're also so important even in a totally quote normal birth, whatever that is. Cause I don't think there's any really normal birth, but any normal birth, those muscles stretch to 250% of their resting length. So if I were to take your hamstring and stretch it to 2.5 times its normal length and then go to the doctor and say, hey, this is what happened, they would send you to pelvic floor or to physical therapy, right? Yeah. But for some reason with the pelvic out. floor, yeah, we just don't. We're like, you'll be fine. Like take some Motrin, you'll heal. Like it'll get back to normal. And for a I won't say a lot of women, but for some women, they do feel like they get back to normal without that. And so I think that um, we have just kind of said like, well, okay, well, it can get back to normal, but like, it should be so standard for every single woman who has a child, whether it's C-section or vaginal, like they should be sent to physical therapy because there is muscle trauma there. There's no way you can have 10 months of pregnancy and pop a baby out and not have some kind of muscle dysfunction afterwards. No. And it's so the, in the, the comment about hurting another muscle in your body is really interesting. Cause I've had a lot of surgeries. Like I've had, um, my knees done twice. I've had hip mm -hmm. surgery. Like I've had mm -hmm. a breast reduction. I've had a lot of relatively major surgeries and I have spent hours and hours and hours yeah. in PT afterwards. Oh yeah. Like months. Yeah. Yeah. And even when I'm doing, if I do uh, decide to do an internal assessment, like I tell patients all 
all the time. I'm like, listen, like this is exactly what I would do on an external muscle. The only difference is these muscles are interior. Like the easiest way that I can get to them is an internal exam. And so having people understand that these are just muscles and they're just internal, that's the only difference. I think it makes a lot more sense to people when they realize like that's what we're treating. Um, and so it just, I think for some reason the internal aspect like freaks people out, but it's exactly the same as any other muscle in the body. And that's why I think that we should be the specialists on this because we are specialists on every other muscle. Um, and so for some reason, I just think that people don't realize that there's even muscles down there. So when they realize that they're like, Oh, that makes sense. Why I would go to a physical therapist. Cause it's muscle, it's muscle related. So let's sort of take a step back and talk about what actually happens in pelvic floor physio because that stigma around it and yeah. the idea and the of the concept of the unknown of not mm -hmm. knowing what to expect and you're yeah. in this sort of fragile stage often when you go yes. of yes. you have a newborn or things aren't working right or you're sleep deprived and now all of a sudden you're going to go meet this stranger who like to, all you can think about is them just shoving their hands up you. Yes, exactly. Um, I actually have patients call and they'll say like, Hey, I need to know what's going to happen because I don't really get it. And I'm not coming until you kind of explain to me what happens. So um, we explain this all the time, but honestly, the first visit is really whatever you want it to be. Like if you find a good physical therapist, it should be what you want it to be. And for some people, that means that the first day I meet you, we just talk for an hour. Like you tell me your history, you tell me what's going on, you tell me, you know, what's been bothering you, what you'd like to work on, what your goals are. And we just spend the entire hour just talking and you get to know me and I get to know you. And then that way, next time I see you, I don't feel like such a stranger. Um, and that's totally fine. Like if that's what that individual patient needs, then that's what we as PT should be willing to do. Um, for most people, they get here and they're kind of okay. They kind of understand like, Hey, there's probably going to be some internal exam associated with this. Uh, so if they come in, then usually what we'll do in that situation, obviously they fill out all their paperwork. They let me know, like, are you having pain? Are you having other symptoms like leaking or heaviness or things like that? We get them back. We talk. I probably spend about half the time just talking about like what's going on. Like, what are these symptoms like coming from? What, how are they bothering you? How can I change this? And then the second half is more of like my exam where I will actually check the muscle and see like how it's functioning. So in, in most cases, what I'll do is check strength. I'll check endurance, just like we do any other muscle um, and kind of see like, okay, what does your Kegel actually look like? Like when I ask you to do a Kegel, are you doing it? correctly. Um, how long can you hold that Kegel? Are you breathing when you're doing your Kegel? Are you squeezing your butt cheeks? Are you squeezing your thighs? Or are you actually using your internal muscles without compensating elsewhere? We'll check for things like diastasis recti, like an ab separation. Um, if it's a C-section or even if you had some tearing, we'll check things like your scar tissue because that needs to be released just like it does anywhere else. Uh, so we'll check things like that. But I always tell people before we do internal exam, we do not have to do internal exam. Like if I have someone who just doesn't feel comfortable day one with internal, we don't do it. Like there's so many things that we can do that are external that we can still get a good kind of feel for that muscle function without actually having to work internally. Um, and so if I have someone who's got like tons of sensitivity down there or maybe they're on their period or maybe they just don't feel comfortable with internal that day, no big deal. We can still do an exam and we can still kind of figure out what we need to work on. Um, what's tight, what's not, what's restricted, what your movement looks like, what your posture looks like, all of those kind of things so that we can put that into the picture. And then maybe if you decide like later on down the road, like I think I'm okay with an internal exam that doesn't freak me out anymore, 
then we do it. But there's no speculums. There's no, like literally the only tool that I use is my finger. Um, and I can just tell like whether or not you're able to pull or push or what the muscles feel like um, the same way I would an external muscle. So there's none of the scary big stuff that you would think. And I, I know for me, the first time I went to pelvic floor physio, I've been to a few different ones for a few different mm -hmm. things over the course of two kids, but it was at that point I was, I had it in my first newborn and I was so tired and I just, everyone had seen everything for me personally. Yep. I was like, just happy to be lying down without a child mm -hmm. around me. I almost oh, yeah. fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know for a lot of women, like by the time they get to me, and this is unfortunate, but this is the truth. By the time they get to me, I'm kind of their last resort. Yeah. Like they've been sent to urology. They've been sent to the OBGYN. They've been sent to their primary care. They've been sent to ortho. They've been sent everywhere. And so by the time that they get to me, they've had so many tests done and so much invasive work done that when we do the internal exam and I finish, and I'm like, okay, we're done with that part. They look at me like, what do you mean you're done? Like that was it. Because <laughs> they've been through so much. And especially like if it's with bladder, like urology, where they do all the testing, where they fill the bladder and empty the bladder and see what it can do and see what it can't. Like our testing here is so minimally invasive compared to some of the other stuff that they've done. And I know when I had my son, like, I mean, you're just like facing the door, you're like spread eagle and there's all these people coming in and out and you're like bleeding and they're stitching you up and you're like, I don't know who any of these people are, like, where's my child? Um, so for me, it was like, uh, like, it's fine. I don't really care what you see down there. <laughs> um, and that's how most moms are by, by the time they get to me, but everyone's different. And so I give everyone the freedom to kind of choose how they want their first session to go. And that's what any good PT should do. So that leads to an interesting point too, from your perspective. So mm -hmm. if you compare um, the situation to actually delivering your child, I, I am 0% concerned what my OB thinks about seeing my vagina or what the mm -hmm. nurses think about seeing right. my vagina. But for some reason, I, I guess because I wasn't in the heat of the moment, yeah. <laughs> I was so nervous about this like random person, more so the yeah. second time because the second experience I went, I was pregnant. So I was like, okay, I'm so hyper aware of what's going yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. From your um, perspective, you've chosen mm -hmm. a career in vaginas. Like, yeah. Yeah. What is your take on like... I'm like, do I need to shave? <laughs> what if I have my period? Like all no, of these things. No, no, I'm no, no. Self-conscious about my vagina. Like, yeah. Don't my vagina look normal? Yeah. <laughs> weird looking. The bottom line is there's like no normal. Like I think if you go even as like a public core PT, if you go to the training on the first day of the um, continuing education, pretty much the first thing you do like all day long is just look at different vaginas. Like seriously, like the first maybe 15 slides are just different vaginas and like what they look like and vulvas and how they're shaped differently and how they look different and how they might be colored different or things like that and how those are all considered normal. So there's like nothing that freaks me out about that. Um, I really honestly don't worry about any of that. And once I like figure out where we're at anatomy wise and make sure everything looks like fine, there's nothing that's of any type of concern in terms of infection or anything most of the internal exam, I'm not looking down there. Like it's not something where I'm like standing like in between your legs, like looking into your legs the whole time that we're doing manual. Like most of the time I'm off to the side. Once I like make sure that there's nothing concerning there, then I can still feel the muscle. I can still assess the muscle and see how it's working and be off to the side so that I'm not actually just like staring at you and you don't feel uncomfortable. Most of the time I'm just talking about like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Or like, hey, what you got going on tonight? Or things like that. So, um, 
anyone who's like self-conscious about that, I would tell you like that doesn't freak us out at all. Uh, we are so used to vaginas and vulvas and all the things that people are like scared to say that it doesn't like weird us out at all, whether or not you decided to shave that day. No, not really. I mean, at this point, like I said, I've had a child um, and having been to those courses and things like that, that's like all you look at. And then the more you treat, obviously the more comfortable you get with it. But I would definitely tell people like, don't worry about what it looks like. I know I was terrified to look down there. Like after I had mine, I was like, yeah. I'm just not even going to look. I don't even want to know what it looks like. You haven't um, looked? I've looked now. Okay. <laughs> It'll be two this, this month. So I have looked now. So I know now what it looks like. But probably for the first year, I was like, I'm just not even gonna, I don't even want to know. Like, I just no. don't even want to know what's, what's down I have there. not looked at my vagina in five years. I have a lot of women who don't, they have no idea. Yeah. I don't and care. I don't, I get it. I completely get it. And so I'll just tell them like, Hey, it looks normal. Like, just so you know, like everything looks fine and that doesn't freak me out. And then they're like, I'm like, Oh, okay. Good to know. It does look normal. Okay. okay it's but not I have like, weird. I'll treat like friends and stuff like that. And they're like, is this going to be weird that you've like seen you down there? Yeah. That um, good. but it doesn't. <laughs> Like to me, it's just, I mean, it's a body part. Like it's just another like body part. Right. It's like, it's, that's where the muscle is. So that's where we are. So it doesn't, it doesn't weird me out at all. So they're probably thinking way less about it than you are. Um, so if you're trying to like get yourself together and make sure everything's clean and like, like neatly shaven and all that stuff, like it's really fine. Like we're not, we're not thinking that much about it. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Cause I think that's probably the biggest concern for most women is that they're self-conscious. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's totally understandable. You just went through this huge change um, and you're probably feeling different and feeling weird and things, especially like early postpartum, they're swollen and their scar tissue. Sometimes the stitches are still there. So it's like terrifying that someone would be in and or around that. Um, but like, that's just part of what we do. So it's not anything, I promise, promise, promise that you're worried, more worried about it than we are. <laughs> so what is the best or most appropriate time to be seeking help from pelvic floor physiotherapists? Is it when you're pregnant? Is it like mm -hmm. you know, six weeks after? What is the yeah. time frame? I absolutely recommend it while you're pregnant um, because we can help minimize the amount of things like ab separation or mm -hmm. symptoms like prolapse. We can work so much on pain um, or like any just discomfort. There's so many discomforts and pains and random things that come with pregnancy that I think we've been taught like, hey, once you're not pregnant anymore, like this will go away. And sometimes you're like, well, I'm four months pregnant. Like I still have a long ways to go. So do I just deal with this sciatica or this like SI joint pain until I have this baby? And I think that generally that has been the recommendation. Like it'll go away when you're not pregnant anymore. So I absolutely, absolutely recommend um, pelvic floor or just even just physical therapy in general, as long as your PT has some kind of training and modifications for pregnancy. Because obviously there's things like, I don't want you doing tons of exercises laying on your back for a full hour if you don't have to. Um, so as long as your PT has some kind of awareness of modifications for that, they don't even have to be like specifically pelvic floor certified and they can probably help you in regards to pain. Um, but I also recommend it during pregnancy just because one, the ab separation, like your abs are getting way pushed apart by this human that's in your body and separating them. So the more we can minimize that, the better. Um, and then the easier that recovery process will be Two, um, we can work on pelvic floor function while you're pregnant. So the easiest way to think about it is pelvic floor is kind of like a hammock. So it's sitting like this baby's like on top of it. And as baby gets bigger and bigger, it starts to kind of like sag more and more because there's more weight on it. Yeah. That's so what it feels you, like. <laughs> yeah. So you have this opportunity 
to strengthen the pelvic floor with a weight on top of it, which the weight's about to come out. So once the weight's out, if you're fabulous at kegels and pelvic floor contraction and relaxation with a weight on top of it, think about how much easier that is when that baby gets here, as opposed to having 10 months where that hammock is just getting saggier and saggier and saggier and the muscles getting more and more and more stretched and losing more and more and more strength, um, as opposed to being able to go to a pelvic floor PT during pregnancy and work on strengthening it and holding it up so that it's not as weak it's not as stretched by the time that you do go postpartum. And then even just things like safe lifting, like people ask me that question all the time. They're like, what should I avoid? Like there's not a good set of guidelines out there in terms of like, Hey, don't do one, two, and three. It's kind of like, well, if you were doing it before you can do it now, but just be careful. No matter what you do. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, as, especially if you've already got kids, like you have to live, you have, I mean, you can't just stop living life. Um, so helping people modify and learn what's safe and learn what's not and how to adjust to that during pregnancy, I think is a huge deal too. I'm going to take a really quick minute to talk to you about the fresh 20 because this podcast cannot exist without ads and sponsors. And the fresh 20 has been a system that I've been using in my house for a long time. And I love it. It makes meals and dinners so, so, so much easier. Now what it is, it's every Friday I get delivered in my inbox a meal plan of five meals for dinners. It includes the meal prep guide for the week, daily meal prep guide, as well as a grocery list, which includes the ingredients and how much everything costs. Then my sneaky little hack is I take that shopping list and I actually order all of the things on Instacart. I don't need to leave my house. I just do it from my phone and they get delivered a few hours later. Then Sunday afternoon, I spend about half an hour to 40 minutes prepping all the ingredients for the week, putting them in containers in the fridge, and when it comes time to actually make my meals on the weekdays, all I need to do really is cook the protein and assemble them. It's super easy, and I'm actually signed up for the annual classes subscription, so I have access to all of the different recipes and meal plans from all of the archives. Now, if you want to sign up, I have more information at mumbreak.ca slash thefresh20. I also have a coupon code that is MUMBREAK and it'll give you 15% off at checkout. Seriously guys, this has been a game changer for me at dinners. I love, love, love it. So to get all the information you need, go to mumbreak.ca slash thefresh20 slash thefresh20. Well, I love the idea of strengthening that like public floor hammock as well, like you said, because with my second pregnancy, my hammock mm-hmm. was real weak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. <laughs> they kept saying, well, your body remembers how to do it. But I'm like, but it feels like I'm pooping out a bowling ball for like five months. And yeah. it's intense pressure down there all the time. So that's something mm-hmm. that, and that's actually why I ended up seeking um, yeah. public floor PT because I was just, it felt like there was a bowling ball sitting yeah. on the vagina all right. day. And, it's, yeah. and then I still had a toddler to take care of at home. It sucked. Right. And those symptoms too are symptoms of prolapse. That's that heaviness that you feel down there. And we say the word prolapse and it freaks people out because they think that it's like this, oh, only menopausal women have prolapse. And that means now you're like 80 years old. And like like you said, Google, like Google, if you Google prolapse, it's it's pretty much like, yeah, it's like you're done for. You have to have surgery. That's the only way to fix it. Um, there's really nothing you can do about it. And that's all there is. And so it's terrifying. So I'm always careful with that word. I think that there's validation in the word because it helps you understand like, Hey, these symptoms are coming from X, Y, Z, 
but I'm careful in it because you can be totally functional and have absolutely no symptoms and still be considered to have prolapse. Um, the prolapse itself, like the diagnosis, there's not like good objective measurements for it. And so some of the research will say like, oh, 2% of women have prolapse. And then some of it will say like, oh, 96% of women have prolapse afterwards because there's no good like measure of what that means. And you can have people who are, have awful prolapse, but don't have symptoms. And you can have people who have a little bit of prolapse, but are like having a ton of difficulty with function. It just totally depends. And so like that heaviness, that's what I had when I tried to run again, postpartum, which I did way too early. But anyways, that's like a different story. <laughs> and so I went back to the doctor for my follow-up and I was like, Hey, I'm having like heaviness. I'm having like pressure down here. Like this just doesn't feel right for me. And that was it. Like we didn't, we didn't talk anymore about it. We didn't do any kind of exam. Like she did an internal exam, but I think I was laying down. Like that's a non gravity resistant position. So of course, like my organs aren't pressing down and laying on my back. Um, oh, yeah, that makes there sense. Was, yeah, so there was no like functional prolapse assessment. And so I basically went and listed symptoms of prolapse and I was like, hey, this is what I'm having. And we didn't talk about it at all. <laughs> like we, it was just kind of like, well, you'll get better. It's what it is. That's it. And that was That's all. probably and, super common. Like it's probably yeah. a oh, normal yeah. experience that people have had. Yep. Yeah, which is terrifying because like I said, I went home and I just like anyone else, I Googled it and you're like, well, I just screwed myself up. Like now I have to have surgery. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, seriously, how terrifying is that to hear as a new mom? Like my organs are falling out of my body. That's horrifying. Um, And so that's when I reached out to my friend and I was like, these are my symptoms. And she was like, yeah, you just did too much, probably too soon. Back off a little bit. Try this, this, and this. I have no problems now. Like none. But had I not had her already as a friend and like knew that she did pelvic floor PT, that was not recommended by my doctor. It was not recommended by my OB. I wouldn't have known anything about it. And then if I went to Google, it was like, well, there's nothing you can do. I mean, there wasn't even a mention mention of PT on Google. It was just like, sorry, you messed up too late now. <laughs> yeah. You're screwed. Every time you go to the bathroom, you're going to be thinking that your uterus is just yes! weaking out. Yeah, it's just terrifying. I have, like I said, zero symptoms now, like none but it's because I knew her. And so I think a big part of this, which is why I'm so grateful for people like you who are getting this word out that this exists is just people knowing that it does exist. And then once they know it exists then they can seek it out. But if you don't know it exists, you can't seek it out. You don't know what you're looking for. for. Exactly. Exactly. So what are some of the other major and common things that you see with new moms, let's say specifically coming into your office, what are they struggling with? Um, a lot of new mom, well, one time, (laughs) how do I find time to exercise? So a lot of, um, what we'll do here is I will show them different exercises that are safe and that will feel good to them and help them get stronger, but they're using baby as their resistance or like, how can we lift baby more like in a safe way? How can we lift baby in a car seat in a safe way? So that, that at least if you don't have time to set aside for like a full on exercise routine, at least when you're doing things like being a mom you're doing them well and using the right muscles so that you actually are getting stronger anyways. Um, the other thing is a lot of leaking. And like I said, the problem with that is that we normalize it. We just kind of yeah. say like, Oh yeah, you just deal with that. Like that's just part of it. Just buy so, some fancy underwear to suck yes, it up. And I'm good. Yes. To go. Wear black leggings on a day. You know, you're going to be jumping a lot. Like, are you kidding? Like, no, I'm so 28. Players. I'm not doing that. That's not going to work for me. Um, the pain with sex after baby. Oh yeah. That's sad terrifying for people and puts a lot of stress on a lot of relationships. Like 
feeling like they can't perform the way that they want to. And then that intimacy portion gets gone. And I even sometimes will have husbands come in and like sit with their wives, like during treatment and be like, listen to what I'm telling her in regards of sensitivity or in regards of muscle tension and things like that so that they can get on board and be um, on the same page. And then too, like the abseparation prolapse stuff we've kind of already talked about. That's another thing that I think is pretty common and fearful for moms when they come in like, Hey, I feel like I've lost this baby weight, but why do I still have like the mom belly? Like, why does, why is it still soft here when it wasn't soft here before? So helping them figure out like what the actual source of that is. And if we can kind of make that tension across the core greater, can we get that to pull back in and heal appropriately? Yeah. Cause I always just, and I guess it could come the, the solution or the source of that problem could, well problem, the source of that could come from a bunch of different things. Right. Cause I have, um, like flappy skin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some people but do. It could just be genetics. It could just be that mm-hmm. I had had, uh, uh, what's the fancy word? Diet rec- separation. Diet recta. Yeah. We just say DR. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. DR. DR, DR is DR. easier. Mm-hmm. It could be. Okay. So it could be things that are actually fixed or have a solution. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, especially if you're really early postpartum, like I know when I was pregnant, I did tons of ab work because I thought like, oh, my abs are going to be super weak. And so I did tons and tons of ab work. And a lot of it I shouldn't have been doing because Mm. I was forcing more separation in the abs. And of course now I know that, but at the time I didn't. And that's part of why I do this now is because I'm like, if I, as a physical therapist and as a female, didn't know this like how does the general population know what to do and what not to do and if you look online it'll be like oh yeah planks are safe but then the next article you read it'll be like no they're not and then it'll be like oh yeah you can do crunches and then the next one's like no don't do crunches it's like well what the heck am I supposed to you know actually listen to and then the OBGYNs they're fabulous at what they do but their job is to make sure that you're medically stable and so they as long as you're medically stable, they're not going to give you a list of things like, Hey, you can do this, this, and this, but you shouldn't do this, this, and this. Um, so helping moms with that ab separation afterwards and helping them realize like what's hurting and what's helping, um, helping them decide if they might need to use something like a belt that they can wrap around postpartum or not. Um, helping them decide like, Hey, am I safe to go back to running or am I not? Um, with things like prolapse, like what can I do? Should I be lifting more than this weight? Um, if they need a pessary, like there's so many different things that we help with postpartum that I think most women just kind of think that there's not any help. Oh, for. Yeah, I didn't. And I, it's not even that the, I didn't think there was help for, I never associated pelvic floor physiotherapy with mm-hmm. almost 90% of these issues you're talking about. Yeah. I associated it with Kegels and leaky mm-hmm. vaginas. Yes. Yes. I hear all the time people say, well, my doctor already told me to do Kegels. I'm already working on that. So like, I don't really see a need to come to what's the point. You're just going to get more Kegels. Exactly. And I'm like, there one, there's so many women who Kegels are not appropriate for if they've got tight restricted pelvic force, if they had a traumatic birth experience, um, that's caused a lot of that restriction, a lot of that tightness. Um, I have women who are really good at strength. Like they have really strong Kegels, but they can't hold it. So like, yeah, you've got a great cable, but you can only hold it for two seconds. Well, guess what happens when your bladder fills? You can probably hold it for about two seconds. Um, (laughs) So like just figuring out like, are cables even appropriate for you? And then I have women who will come in and doing, are doing the opposite of a cable. So they'll think like, I'll say, well, if you're going to do a cable, what would you do? And they'll show me what they're doing and it's the opposite. So I think there was a study that actually talked about like, hey, this doctor, um, recommended like just verbal, like, Hey, go home, do kegels and see if this gets better. 
And out of the women that went home and did their Kegels, 40% of them were doing them incorrectly. So almost half of the women weren't even doing them right. And then out of that 40%, 25% of those people were actually doing them backwards. So like instead of like lifting up, they were bearing down. And that was promoting even worsening symptoms. So not only are they doing them wrong, but they're doing something that's going to make their symptoms worse. And then they go back to the doctor in a few weeks and they say, hey, I've been doing my kegels. I'm doing what you told me to do and I'm not any better. So then the doctor will say like, hey, okay, well, then I guess we need to do surgery. Like, why would we send you to PT? Because I told you to do kegels and it didn't work. And it's like, but they're not doing like verbal instruction of kegels doesn't work. Like it just doesn't. Oh my gosh, that's so you just kind of blew my mind. And if anyone who's listening right now isn't doing a Kegel or like questioning how they <laughs> do all doing it, because <laughs> my mind is just I'm like trying out a bunch of different versions as you're talking. Yeah. Yep. But it's crazy. And I, I, mm-hmm. it's funny because I remember so well when I was walked through how to do it properly. Yeah. And I struck, like, I really truly struggled with, oh, yeah. I was doing it wrong for, mm-hmm. I couldn't grasp the movement that I was supposed to do. And it was, yeah, she had to draw me a picture. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. It takes like, I will spend maybe even sometimes the first like four or five sessions, just get getting someone to do a proper Kegel. Sometimes that takes like internal assessment. Sometimes we use things like biofeedback that can tell you like, Hey, you're doing it or no, you're not. Um, it's everyone's really, really different, but that's why too, if you come in like during pregnancy, we can do internal exam during pregnancy as long as it's cleared by your doctor. So as long as your doctor's fine with it, I mean, like people are having sex while they're pregnant. So what difference is like my finger going to make versus your partner? So um, having people come in and say like, Hey, that's a correct Kegel. Like what you're doing right now is fabulous. Then they know what it feels like so that when they come back and see me postpartum, I'm like, Hey, you had this before. So we know we have it because a lot of times that mind muscle connection gets totally disconnected during birth and so you come in and you're like am I doing it and I'm like no nothing nothing's happening but I know that you know how to do this because I saw you during pregnancy so it comes back faster and then that's something that you can be working on like in the interim while you're healing between when you have baby and when you actually get back into the clinic so that that way you're not just going like four or six weeks whatever it is that your doctor waits to clear you you're not going all that time with just no muscle function at all it's something you can go ahead and get started on because you know what it feels like and you know where to pick it up so, so is six weeks sort of that magical you're approved to come see you? That's like typically what it tends to be. It's different for every doctor. Like some doctors want to wait eight weeks and it depends sometimes on C-section versus vaginal. Um, but it's usually just kind of up to the doctor. It depends on stitches and things like that. And so um, usually six weeks is where we get clearance to move forward. But the problem that I have with the six week point is that I know for me postpartum, and this might be different than other people's experiences, at six weeks, it was kind of just like, hey, go, like, go do whatever you're you want to do. Now. Yeah. And you're like, that okay, but I wasn't, I wasn't cleared to do that like yesterday. So like, why is today this magical day where midnight struck and it's been six weeks and now I can go do whatever I want to do. And this, like the general guideline is like, hey, just ease back into it. But that means something totally different for everyone. Like I was exercising a lot before. So for me to ease back into things was like, I'm going to go on a light jog and I'll just do interval jogging. Like I'll do a minute on and a minute off where like for someone else, it might be like, Hey, I'm going to work on some sitting to standing today. And there was no one to guide what easing back into it and what that meant to do it safely. And so I set myself back like a lot because I pushed too hard because 
again, I fell into this trap of you're going to bounce back, you're active, you know, the body, like um, you're young and it's going to just be totally fine and great. And even when I had symptoms, like easing back into it, if I talked about it with people, it was kind of like, oh, well, yeah, of course you had. Like, it's normal. Yeah. Like you, I mean, what do you expect? You're going to the gym and you're doing heavy squats. Like, of course you're going to have a little bit of leaking. And I was like, no, but I don't want that for me and for my mental health. And like, if this is my escape and this exercise is like where I go to keep my sanity and then I get here and I'm constantly reminded of like all of these things that are setting me back, I don't want that for me. And so like figuring out what that took to fix that and then figuring out that that wasn't available to so many women was just like a total like mind blowing experience because it's like, I, I just thought you have the baby and like, you just go back to normal. And I'm like, if I fell for that trap, I know so many other people are falling for that trap too. It's terrifying. It is. And it's, it's so easy to, and I was in a very similar situation to you with my first, I like, I ran my first ever half marathon when I was pregnant with my first, I was doing kettlebell slings until I was 37 yep. weeks pregnant. So yep. then of course I went back into a boot camp at two weeks mm-hmm. after having this baby and I was not in hindsight, yeah. I was not ready to do that. And no. someone should have just said, Erica, get the frick out of the gym, yeah. sit on the couch yeah. and cuddle your baby. But exactly. it's a mental health escape for me. So right. hey, maybe instead of going to do kettlebell swings, I go for a light walk with the stroke. Right. And there are so many things that we can do as new moms that we can do to exercise and to stay moving. I just didn't know any of them at the time. Yeah. And so like that education and that understanding of what's appropriate and what's not. Um, I think that there's also another extreme of like women who are afraid to do anything because there is no good guidance out there. Um, like you can't just Google like, Hey, can I do this at six weeks postpartum? Like that there's just nothing, a guideline like that. And so there's so many women who avoid like anything at all. Um, and I know like a lot of the trainers I've worked with and things like that, they hesitate so much to give women heavy exercise because they're postpartum. But if you're lifting a baby, you're lifting a car seat and think about if you've got two, you've got one on each hip, like you are squatting, you're lifting, you're doing all these things that I think traditionally we've been told like, Hey, hold off on that. Like, don't, don't worry about getting back to that. It'll come like in a year. It's like, no, you're doing that. Like day two postpartum, you're picking up a car seat, you're putting them in the car, you're lifting, you're twin, you're twisting. Like there's all this stuff that you have to be able to do. And like, if you're telling me that I can't do it, like, what am I supposed to do with my baby? Um, And so teaching women how to do it safely and use their bodies well and make sure that every muscle that needs to be engaged is engaged and working the way that it's supposed to is so important. But that again is something that's not really talked about. It's kind of like you go to your follow-up and they make sure again, you're medically stable. Um, And then it's kind of like, all right, good luck. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) May the odds be in your favor. Exactly. It's crazy. And I think it ties back to this whole new generation of super mom. And I, I'm, I hate that word so much because I I don't, it puts so much pressure on moms. And exactly. People say it to me sometimes because they see me doing a cleaning video or they see Mm. me exercising, but I'm like, but Mm. cool. I'm going to the gym because otherwise you know, I would yell at my child because I have anxiety. I just doing what I have to, given my set of situations, got my Mm -hmm. set of, you know, circumstances to do the Mm -hmm. best that I can. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's amazing. Yay. But I'm not super, it's super mom doesn't exist. 
And, it's and there are days where you feel so good about everything you're doing and you're like, I have it all together. Like everyone's packed and ready and everything's in line. And then there's days where you like have a setback and understanding like that's normal and okay. And life goes on and we're not going to like focus on that. We're going to focus on what we can do and not on what we can't do. Um, and so understanding that I think is super, super important and understanding that it's okay to not have it all together all the time. Um, but I think again, we're bombarded with that. And I was bombarded with like the, Oh, you're going to be fine. You're going to bounce back. No problem. And so you start to believe that and you're like, Oh yeah, like I'm going to be different. Like if anyone's going to be different, it's going to be me. I work out all the time. I'm a physical therapist. Of course I'm going to just bounce back. And it was like this real shock when I didn't and that I couldn't sit out of bed. Like I could, it took me like 30 minutes to get up and down the stairs. Like you have absolutely no abs at all. And you're just like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And so that on top of just the already there stress of like a new mom and I'm not sleeping and I'm trying to nurse and no one told me that that was going to like be painful and like horrible. <laughs> yes. Like everyone like makes it seem like this just instinctual just thing and the, the heavens on. are going to open up and the light's going to come uh, down and it's just beautiful. And eventually it was like, eventually it got easier, but like those first six weeks nursing was not a good experience for me and for us. Like it was hard. And so that on top of, I can't move how I thought I was going to be able to move by now. I thought I was going to be back in the gym at six weeks. I thought I was going to be like pretty much back to normal. And I wasn't that hurt. Like that was really hard on top of everything else that's already going on. So I think understanding that it's okay to not be there and it's totally normal to not be there. If I had had, I think someone who could have guided me on what I could do, I would have been able to focus on that. Like, okay, this week we started adding some squats. So I'm going to add in some squats at home. I'm going to hold my baby as my weight. Um, I'm going to engage my hips the way I'm supposed to. I'm going to engage my pelvic floor the way I'm supposed to. And at least that way I know I'm moving forward. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, I didn't feel that way. I felt like so many days I was moving backwards because I was, because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and so if I had had something where I felt like I could have been making progress, I think that would have helped my mental health a little bit during that time. No, I, I think that, and it's so hard for doctors and healthcare professionals to, I think everyone's scared to say publicly, you can do this or you can't do this because yeah. it's so, it's so individual. There's not oh, one. Yeah, completely. Way. Completely. And that's why it's so important, I think, to get in with a provider who can tell you like, hey, for you personally, this is safe. But for this person who's exactly the same amount postpartum as you are, this is not safe right now. And saying, okay, well, if this is not safe, here's something you can do that is safe. You don't just have to sit back and like wait and wait and wait and like watch time pass while you feel like you're getting weaker and weaker. Yeah. Like, but at five weeks and six days, don't do it because you're not ready yet. Like, I just think having someone who can individualize your program to you and watch you do the movements and watch you um, just move and see how you feel and assess that is huge, huge, huge. It would have been a game changer. I'm curious to get your perspective and your, your professional experience on C-section versus vaginal delivery, because yeah. I suspect there's a lot of common, common problems, but there's also mm-hmm. ones that are unique to each. So yeah. I'm curious cause I've only had two vaginal deliveries, so I, I can't mm-hmm. speak to the C-sections, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious how they compare. Yeah. So C-section and vaginal, I typically, and when I'm thinking about recovery, um, I'm thinking a little bit longer for C-section just because I think anytime you have to cut through the tissue, there's going to be a little bit more healing time associated there. And most OBs won't clear for a C-section, or at least most of the ones around here will, um, until about eight weeks. And sometimes for vaginal, they're clear at like four to six weeks. So that little 
healing magical time frame that I kind of like already don't like anyways, but it's a little bit longer usually for C-section um, just because there is that cutting of the tissue. So that's a little bit different. The vaginal deliveries, we have to work a lot because there's usually some degree of tearing with the vaginal delivery, even if it's not that grade three, grade four severe tear, there's usually at minimum a grade one or grade two tear. So there's still tearing in the muscle there. There's a lot more, I won't say a lot more, but there is a decent amount of pelvic floor focus because you birth a child through the pelvic floor. So like I said, in that quote, normal birth, you get 250% stretch um, for, it's terrifying, 250% uh, stretch of the pelvic floor muscles. But if you have a C-section, you're probably not getting that because you're not birthing the child through the birth canal. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean that pelvic floor doesn't need focus because again, we talk about that like hammock and that baby sitting on top of it. That's still happening for those full 10 months prior to birth. So the pelvic floor usually still needs work, but it doesn't have the tearing and things like that, that a vaginal birth would. And then C-section, you've got the scar tissue just in a different place. You've been cut at the abdomen area um, and they've cut through that fascia that connects our muscles and helps with that mind muscle connection. So that a lot, of that is just scar tissue massage over the front area, whether it's a vertical or horizontal cut, depending on like whether it was emergency or what. Um, and then reestablishing that deep core connection to the belly. Like it's not just six pack muscles. And I have women who focus only on six pack muscles and that will set you back even further and make that like mom belly even worse um, because it just separates the abs even more. So there's a lot more focus on the abdomen area. I think with C-section just, because that's obviously where you're cut. But I think like once you get to about three months out, I feel like the treatment is largely the same because mm -hmm. those muscles work together, like deep core and pelvic floor work together. Um, so once we figure out like where the deficit is, then we have to combine them. And so about three months out, if I can get women in and get them going, then it pretty much looks the same from that point forward. Oh, I love that. That's so helpful. Yeah. Um, now in terms of one piece of advice you want to leave for women, what would yeah. you guide women in or make suggestions about this space in this area? Um, listen to your body. Uh, it's so important. Like your body is amazing. And I think sometimes we forget that because it doesn't feel that way. Like you don't feel amazing postpartum. Like it's not this, maybe there are some women that feel that way, but it's not this beautiful, magical like everything's just perfect and the birds are outside singing. Like that's just not a thing like a lot for a lot of women. And so body, like understanding that if you're having symptoms that you are feeling those symptoms, you're not in your head, like you're not making them up. Um, and understanding that like there is resources out there that you can like find and go dig into. There are so many amazing women on Instagram now. That's Instagram's the coolest thing because there's so much good information there that wasn't available, I think, prior to that, because all we had was just Google, and Google's terrifying. <laughs> but there's so many really strong women out there who have been through it um, and can help, and you just reach out to them and like say, hey, this is what's going on, like, what do you think? And they're willing to respond and respond with good information that makes sense for you and your body. So just listening to your body and listening to it as it heals, um, I think is so, so important. But then two, keeping in mind, like you're a lot stronger than you think you are. Yes, you're postpartum. Yes, like things, I guess tissues are a little bit more vulnerable than they normally would be, but you're not some like fragile butterfly. Like you, your body is so cool. And the fact that you can have a baby and pick it up and lug it around and put it on your body and walk around with it. Like that's crazy. Yeah. That amount of muscle work and the amount of like, just the amount of work your body's having to do during that time 
I think, like I said, that other extreme end of like, just be careful and avoid everything because you're not going to heal properly because you're just this fragile thing that needs to sit in the corner. During pregnancy too, like anyone who saw me exercise during pregnancy, I can't tell you how many like unwarranted comments I got about how I was going to cause a miscarriage and like, oh my gosh, my baby's going to come out way too small because I'm not eating enough. Like that you're not this fragile being like, yes, you need to be cleared by your doctor. And yes, you need to make sure you're doing safe things, but listen to your body and listen to your doctor and then take it from there. Like you are so much stronger. I think than we've been taught like during pregnancy and after pregnancy. I love that so, so much. I think it's such an important message because women are so freaking strong. It's so cool. Yeah, it's so, 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 so cool what your body can do, but you do have to listen to it and not just like push past symptoms. Um, and then of course, make sure it's safe. But if it's safe, like just let those comments like brush off. I had people all the time commenting like, oh my gosh, like, you shouldn't be exercising. Like you're going to have this baby six weeks early because you're just walking so much. Like, no it's okay to walk. Like I'm walking. Like I walk everywhere. So uh, there's so much misinformation out, th- out there. So being your own advocate and finding the correct information and finding people who have good, accurate information is so important. And then listening to your symptoms, like just because something says something safe online doesn't mean it's safe for you specifically. So listen to your body and then adjust accordingly. I love it. Where can people find you online or ask you questions if they have any? So you can find me online. uh, Let me like, I actually wrote it down. Our Facebook is BMPT. Columbus North. So that's benchmark physical therapy, Columbus North. So you can message me on there. That's probably the easiest way to get to me. I used to have like a little Instagram thing, but then life happened. And I don't know how you do it because keeping up with Instagram and like content stuff is exhausting. Like it's so hard. I think it's super underestimated. So props to you, Um, but I don't really have one anymore. (laughs) I think there's one up, but I don't really use it. So you could message me on there, but I might not get back to you for like couple months. Um, there's like so many good people on Instagram though. And I'll be happy to send you a list of people that I like love on Instagram in terms of like healing and postpartum stuff. Um, so that you can get it out to whoever you feel like needs it. Um, but there's so much wonderful stuff out there. Uh, I do my friend that I talked about that is public for physical therapist. Her Instagram is the pelvis pro. Um, and she has wonderful information out there about like posture and how to carry your baby and how to hold them. So I would probably send them like her way for now. Sorry, mercy. Um, (laughs) but you can message me through the, the, um, clinic Facebook. That's probably the easiest way to get to me for right now. Perfect. So I'll get all the links from you and then I'll throw them in the description below so people can hunt you down because I love your perspective and your take on things. It's so refreshing to have someone who just genuinely cares so much about women's health and making sure all the appropriate information is out there. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and for getting the word out. Cause like I said, you can't advocate for it if you don't know that it exists. So I hope that even if we just teach one person that like, Hey, maybe I should go look for this. That's super important. Amazing. Thank you. All right. Thank you.